someday I will go to our house to see his peat brown head, the mild pods of his eyelids, his pointed skin cap, in the flat country nearby where they dug him out, his last gruel of winter seeds caked in his stomach, naked except for the cap, noose, and girdle. I will stand a long time. Bridegroom to the goddess, she tightened her torque on him and opened her fen, those dark juices working him to his saint's kept body. Trove of the turf cutter's honeycombed workings. Now his stained face reposes at our house. The Tallant Man by Seamus Heaney. All right. My name is Parker Beale. I'm a student at NKU and I'm majoring in history. Hi, I'm Haley. Um, I'm majoring in history and secondary social studies education. And I'm Connor Wayland. I'm majoring in history and minoring in political science. And this podcast is titled A Serene Corpse, The Mystery of the Tall Under Man. (laughs) 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 Oh my god, I can't believe it's not last thing. I'm just sorry. This can be all. It's fine. <laughs> we talking about perfect so far. So I, I'm Parker, by the way. I know I already said that, but that's fine. So I was actually the one to introduce the topic of bog bodies to my group. Um, I actually first learned about it in a National Geographic magazine. My grandpa is super into National Geographic. I grew up reading them and they were always on the coffee table. And one day I just picked up one of the issues and it had this like shriveled up man on the cover of it. And I was just immediately interested in it because I'd never seen anything like it before. I mean, it was obvious that he was a corpse, but he was just so like completely intact. It was just so odd to me. And so I flipped to the page and I saw that he was called the Tallin Man, who we're having our podcast about, and that he was a bog body. And it immediately piqued my interest. And that was probably like six years ago. And ever since then, I've been super interested in the topic of bog bodies. So I figured might as well use that topic as a perfect topic for our mysteries podcast, since it is something that has captured. I guess, the minds of historians since they were discovered in the peat bogs of Europe. Yeah, when she mentioned this to us, I was like, what are you talking about? I literally had no idea. I never heard of it. I was like, I I literally had to make her spell it out. So I'm like, what are you saying? Like, I don't know. A bog body, peat bogs, tall end man. Like, what is that? Yeah. Apparently, I just have a lot of information in my brain (laughs) that is obscure and weird. And that's fine. (laughs) That's, that's the best kind of information. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, after she she brought a bunch of topics, actually, and this was the one that kind of just stuck. And after she mentioned it, you know, we all had to do a bunch of research. And I was really interested about, like, what are um, these bog bodies? So, basically, a bog body is a human cadaver that's been naturally mummified in a peat bog, which, like, how does that happen? I don't even know, but... Um, Well, I'll tell you, actually. (laughs) So they're considered to be some of the best known archaeological finds and they're most commonly found in like northern European countries, 
um, Denmark, Germany, the Netherlands, Ireland. Um, and they're often found in peat bogs, which, you know, leads you to another question. What are these peat bogs? What is that? I never heard of it, but maybe you have. Um, but if not, the raised bogs are formed in basins where there's like poor drainage levels and like it causes plant decay. So like over thousands of years, layers of moss accumulate and it forms like this dome entirely of rainwater. And then the bogs have like very little minerals and low amounts of oxygen, but they're very acidic. I don't know. I don't like science, but that, that's, that's what it says. That's why we're history. Yeah, we don't exactly. like science. Exactly. Whatever that means, it seems exactly. kind of important. I mean, it does something. I don't know what it is, but it's actually, actually, I do know about this. It's really cool because it literally creates the perfect environment for like the tanning of leather because the same acids and minerals are found in the tanning of leather process. So wow. it basically like tans the body and shrivels it up and takes like all of the, you know, regular compounds found in human skin and bones and material and turns it into something that's been incredibly like, um, oh my God, what's the word? Incredibly preserved. There we go. Mummified. Exactly. Yes, Mummified. Exactly. And like this phenomenon has been such like, a chemical mystery because it's like natural. It's a natural thing that occurs. And so it's like, how are these Northern European temperatures and these conditions, like, so perfect for this to happen. It's, like, fascinating that it's a natural occurrence, you know? Um, it's just, yeah, it's a mystery. Yep. And it's been, you know, capturing the minds of people all over the world. Um, so, basically, now that we talked about the science of it, boring. Who cares about that? Moving on. Can't, can't even spell science. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Um, when I was researching about it, I found a video by Hank Green. Woo! Who Green doesn't brothers. love Hank Green? Love that guy. Uh -huh. We may not like science, but we do love Hank we Green's love, Crash Course. Which yes, is true. Exactly. Um, which I thought was very cool because he broke down the whole, like, scenario that's needed for the creation of bog bodies, um, which, like, I obviously wouldn't have otherwise understood. But he kind of just helps understand how the specific scientific process that occurs creates such well-preserved prehistoric bodies in the world. Like, that's literally so insane to think about. Um, and it's so crazy that Northern Europe has the presence of these bogs, um, you know, because of the result of the low oxygen, highly acidic bogs, creating the ideal conditions for preserving ancient humans. Literally humans. That's crazy. Um, and it like, it's so crazy that this mixture, this natural scientific mixture can preserve hair and skin, but it like dissolves the bone. And it's just led to the discovery of thousands of bog bodies and thus creating even more mysteries and questions regarding the entire sensation of these bog bodies. Yeah. And one of the, other cool things about bog bodies is that a lot of them that are being found over 500 of them have been from oh, yeah. the iron age which you know is between 800 bc and 8200 and a lot of them specifically like the tallin man have been discovered in denmark yeah so like why are these people placing peat bogs what why like 
like, is it a religious significance? Are they being punished for something in the afterlife? Are no. they sacrifices? Exactly. Criminals? Like, what's the reasoning? And who specifically is the Tallin man? He's the guy that we're going to be focusing on throughout this podcast. The coolest guy. Exactly. The coolest guy. He's probably the tall. He's probably the bog body that we know the most yeah. about. Yeah. Because his body is particularly so well preserved. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. So, who was the Tallin man? Was he a sacrifice or was he a criminal? And how was his body able to remain so intact? All right. So, the Tallin man, you know, didn't make it, but, you know, <laughs> he was approximately 30 to 40 years old when he died, which is kind of the optimal age to die, sort of, if you think about it, because you don't really have to worry. Your body hasn't totally, you know, broken down yet. You still, your stuff still works. You don't want the decline. So, you know, not all bad. Uh, not much is known about his life other than the, you know, obviously pretty neat circumstances of his death. Uh, it's pretty violent, you know, pretty not great way to go. He died with, by hanging with the noose. The noose was still wrapped around his neck 2,000 years later. Uh, experts say he died between 405 and 380 BC and was most likely a ritual sacrifice based on the way his body was taken care of after his death and the religious significance of the bogs. Uh, although he was hanged, he was, he was laid gently in a peat bog in the position he was found in, a fetal sleeping position, like he was truly being laid to rest. Yeah, and it's really interesting, the religious significance of bogs, because they were considered literally a bridge between life and death because of that, you know, presence of decay, but that also presence of these chemicals and these minerals that they would have probably seen as life. And according to the poem that I read in the beginning called The Talon Man, you know, there was a certain goddess that was kind of, I guess, specifically being sacrificed to. But of course, that was just like, you know, the arts kind of spin on it. We don't know if that's actually what was happening. But the thing that we do know the most about the Talon Man is the contents of his last meal. Because of his perfect perseverance, his stomach contents were also perfectly preserved, which is so cool. That's, That's awesome. It's like, so that cool. long. Thousands of years. Literally thousands of years. And we can still tell exactly what he ate for dinner, which is awesome. So basically, in the last like 10, 15 years, researchers have been able to use plant microfossils, pollen, Non-pollen palynomorphs, which if you're a science person, I'm sure you probably know what that is. I don't have the qualifications <laughs> no to explain what that is. No clue whatsoever. They were also able to find steroid markers and proteins found in his stomachs and intestines to determine what his last meal was. In sacrificial bodies like the Tallin Man, there's usually foods or so of some sort of significance, maybe some sort of hallucinogenic or pain-relieving drugs. But for the Tallin man, this really wasn't the case. There was his last meal was honestly pretty boring. It consisted of a porridge containing barley, pale persicaria, pale persicaria, which is a type of weed mostly found in like these northern European countries. Uh, flax in like a type of bony fish. They aren't able to find exactly what type of bony fish, but they were able to find the remnants of the bone. And the analysis of his intestines also indicates that he was infected with three different types of parasites, which honestly isn't completely surprising 
like, you know, considering the fact that they were probably not drinking the best yeah. clean, you know, not drinking best clean water. They probably weren't, you know, able to take care of themselves because medicine just wasn't to that point yet. There was one interesting ingredient found in his guts, though. Threshing waste, which is a collection of wild seeds that were usually thrown out during the threshing process of grain. That process is basically when it turns from the actual grain strands into the little pieces of grain. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So early Iron Age Danishes might have added this ingredient for some sort of nutritional value or for ritual purposes. See, there is something really cool in this guy. <laughs> so with the presence of this large grain and with the present the large presence of this grain in this meal, some researchers believed that he was sacrificed to increase fertility, as grains have been a symbol of fertility for many Iron Age civilizations. And you know, all of the records at least the records that we've been able to find of Iron Age civilizations, grain, wheat, and other types like pale pescataria was pro- like was seen to increase fertility. I'm sure, you know, that huh. conception still rings true mm. to this day. So many cultures use grains and different types of bread in like fertility rituals and fertility celebrations. I mean, I just think it's so interesting to think about how like the way um, just knowing what his last meal was is able to give us so much information about the time period, who he was, you know, the symbolization of the contents in his stomach. Like that's oh yeah, that's actually Absolutely. insane that like we're able to, you know, <clears throat> figure out who he was based on what was in his stomach when he died. Absolutely, and hey, we might not be science people, but we can give science the credit it deserves. Yeah. Thank <laughs> yeah. you, science. Cheers. Good job. Good yeah, job. Science. It's... The Troubles were an ethno-nationalist conflict in Northern Ireland that lasted for about 30 years. And it was like late 1960s to the 1998. And it was known internationally as the Northern Ireland Conflict. And it is sometimes described as an irregular lo- war or low-level war because it did have a lot of a militaristic presence. So, you know, many people died. And it also has the event of Bloody Sunday in 1972, which was... Actually, another name for it is the Bogside Massacre. And 26 unarmed civilians were shot during a protest. So, you know, the Troubles, this violent event that was trying to get, you know, independence and trying to get, you know, a better life connected to the bog body of the Tallinn man whose purpose for his death was to try and get a better life for his civilization. Exactly. Yeah. So just like that connection that Seamus Haney made is just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thanks, poets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> really, really. Shout out to poets. All right. So, a lot of the, so, more on bog bodies, surprise, surprise. Uh, so, basically, a bunch of, a lot of what we know on bog bodies is basically just informed conjecture. Uh, the Bronze Age and Iron Age communities in which these bogs originated had no written language. You know, a long, long time ago, hadn't gotten that far yet. Uh, a lot of them died. Very, very brutal, gruesome, yeah, deaths. Yeah, with the with the whole the noose and the, and the cutting of the throat. You would think one would probably be enough, but you know, I, I guess not for them. Uh, 
Many archaeologists accept the idea that a majority of bog bodies date back to Bronze and Iron Age, and their murders were part of either ritual sacrifice or criminal punishment, which was, you know, a lot of the uh, punishments back then. You know, it's like you steal your dad. You know, you you do basically any crime. You know, they're just, you know, ready to kill you, really, at anything. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... What I think is so interesting is that there's plenty of people who have dedicated their lives to like studying this concept mm-hmm. and even studying the Talon Man in general. Um, one of them is PV Glob. What a cool name. Anyways, Danish <laughs> names. I know. So fun. He's, <laughs> I'm sorry, just imagine introducing yourself. Yes, I'm Mr. Glob. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, he's a Danish archaeologist who wrote a book titled The Bog People. Um, so he dedicated his life to the mystery of bog people. And what I think is so interesting about um, his take on bog bodies is that he really emphasized the idea of calling them bog people because he wanted to bring back the humanity to these people. Like they once were humans, like he dedicated his entire life to finding out um why they died, these deaths, and like what it symbolized. Yeah, and you know, a lot of the archaeological finds and stuff like this that are specifically dedicated to humans. I feel like because they have been dead so long, we kind of forget their humanity. Yeah. You know, to us, they are just bodies. To us, they are just, you know, really cool archaeological finds that, you know, can tell us more about our history. But I feel like we have to remember, you know, the Tallinn man probably had a name. The Tallinn man might have had a family. The Tallinn man was born. He died. You know, he might have died for a really good cause. Yeah. Or he might have not been such a good guy. But I feel like, you know, with studying these bog bodies, it's easy to forget, especially when most of them aren't as well preserved as the Tallinn man. It's easy to forget that they were once people just like us. Sure, they lived in the Iron Age and probably didn't speak anything like the way that we do now, but they were still people. And I feel like with the Tallinn man, that is especially important to remember just because of the way he was so well preserved. I mean, you can look up a picture of him right now. You can see every line in his face. You can see his smile lines and his crow's eye. You can see his facial expression that is just so serene i mean we titled this podcast the serene corpse you know he he's beautiful i love him (laughs) sorry he just needs the credit he deserves wow yeah no no i i i agree yeah completely i think it's really neat seeing how yeah he had a whole a whole life that we'll you know probably never know about it's, it's cool i think it's interesting um like when we try to discuss like whether they were a ritual sacrifice or something like that and how much that can tell us about the culture of the time. I mean, throughout this this class, we've been talking about what happened before and what happened after the mystery that we're, um, you know, we talk about during class. So it's the same for this. Like, what does this sacrifice, if that's what we believe happened to the talent man, like, what was it for? What What was the purpose of it? How does it show the culture that he was in. And so P.B. Glob believed that the Tallinn man was a sacrifice to ancient German goddess Nerthus or Mother Earth um, to ensure good crop, which is kind of what Parker was saying earlier. 
And he kind of explains how the rope bound around the tall man's neck is said to symbolize the neck rings, rings and the bands worn by the goddesses of that time that they were worshiping and, you know, um, making a sacrifice for. And the stomach content remains that we talked about earlier are also used to help identify the time of the year and the season. And it's concluded that like there was a cruel winter and this special human sacrifice was for the hopes of a plentiful spring. Like, isn't that crazy to think about that these are the conclusions we can draw from the stomach remains that we yeah. found how many it's years so later? Cool. That were this is great. Literally yeah. naturally preserved. Like the earth did it itself, and we are able to find out so much information about the time period, even though it was so long ago. Um, and kind of like what Parker was saying about his peaceful expression that was left on his face, like he was placed with great care into the bog, kind of symbolizing like the hope that spring would bring good crop and the coming year to follow would be full of like plentiful. Um, crop for them. Yeah, and, you know, the way that he was placed almost reminds me of the way that you place seeds in gardens. And, you know, oh. you place them gently and you place them in the hope that they'll grow into something delicious or something beautiful. Oh, that's good. And, you know, that connection between the tall and man and just the way that he was placed in, you know, his flat final resting place. It just, the tall and man, he just inspires so much hope and good feelings inside of me. He just... You know what he represents and you know he represents the hope that his civilization had that they would be able to pers- that they would be able to prosper in the coming weeks yeah. you know he represents optimism and i just think that's so beautiful yes um so we kind of just wanted to give you some more information regarding um bog bodies because it is it is such an interesting concept that i feel like not a lot of people are informed of. Like, like I said earlier, I had no idea what she was talking about. And while we were researching the Tallinn man, um, I found multiple stories about other bog bodies. Um, so there is this old tale that became a way to explain the bog body phenomenon. So basically, it was said that Viking king of Denmark enticed Gunnheld mm-hmm. um, of Norway to marry him and then instead of marrying him or marrying her sorry my bad when she came over he drowned her and put her in a bog and this fable that was created around bog bodies was celebrated basically saying it was like a viking trophy for so long passed on from generation to generation um and then i have another story of another bog body that was found um old Dragon was his name. Keep in mind, they were just named after they were found because, like we yeah. mentioned, we don't know who these people are, they which didn't. is so insane. That's the mystery. Yeah, you would think they would have like a, a name tag <laughs> or they would carve the names in or, or something to give us a hand. But so, no. Old Krogan was one of the most violently killed bog bodies, <laughs> which is like, again, goes <clears throat> to the concept of like. Why did he die? Why was he so violently killed? Was he a criminal? Was he a sacrifice? Was it for ritual means? What was it? Um, He was killed by strangulation, stabbing, and drowning. All three of those things. And what researchers have found is that he was 
it wasn't a brutal murder, but again, a symbolic sacrifice. That is what is so interesting about these dog bodies is that it can tell us so much about the culture of the time. Um, so basically what we know about him is he was a king and they got this from um, the leather that he was wearing as symbolic for what kings wore at the time. And the goddess to whom they were sacrificing him was the goddess of three natures, sovereignty, fertility, and then war and death. Mm -hmm. So the king had to die three deaths in order to symbolize the sacrifice in all forms. That's, and um, I just want to add something that's kind of really funny about old Krogan. Um, his nipples were pierced, and that's another <laughs> one of the reasons why they think that yeah. he might have been a king. <laughs> so I just thought that was a little bit silly. Ha huh. funny. No, I just, I just, it sounds like they really gave, it sounds like he's just the original uh, Rasputin, right? They, you know, Rasputin died a pretty, you know, awful right. death, too. They, they did a whole, whole bunch of stuff to him. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, it's kind of at first you read it and you're like, oh my gosh, like he was so violently murdered. But then you learn so much about the time period and the history that happened before and after the event that gives you so much information as to why he was quote, brutally murdered, which he wasn't. It was a sacrifice. Like, it all comes together. Like, having to die the three deaths to hope, like, it makes so much sense. It's, the symbolism is crazy. It's, and, uh, it's so, yeah, it's so cool, like, yeah, hearing about all, all that uh, stuff, just because, yeah, I think, it's just kind of, um, I know it's just kind of like a study on the human mind a little bit, you yeah, know, and how we, but we end up believing all of this stuff that, you know, we don't even necessarily know to be true, but we, we kind of do it anyways. I kind of, I kind of want to find out if, you know, I assume, you know, they sacrifice the tall man, right? I'm kind of interested. Did they have, you know, did they have a good crop season the next year? Yeah. I know. I would really hope so. Absolutely. You know, I mean, because he is such a symbol of optimism, I, I would really hope that he was, yeah. that, you know, what he was trying to do <laughs> actually happened. Uh, and, you know, something with bog bodies kind of going off, you know, these folk tales and sort of the, I guess, cultural phenomenon of these bog bodies. It's important to always remember how important cultural context yeah. and how important historical yeah. context is, you know, because without the historical context that we do have of these Iron Age civilizations, you know, these would probably just be, oh, no, violent bodies, Yes, they're all criminals, you know. It must be, right? The actual story of these bog bodies is so much more interesting than them just being common criminals, you know. Oh, they yeah. were made for the hope of their societies. And I just, uh, I keep saying that it's so beautiful, but it really is just so beautiful to me. And so another fun fact about bog bodies is that July 27th is World Bog Day. Coming up three months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so July 27th of 2022, I if I ever see any of you in public, I better see you wearing something to do with bog bodies. <laughs> Remember the tall yeah. Exactly. I'll give you like a dollar. <laughs> so That's some incentives right there. So before we discuss our opinion on the on the mystery, we want to preface that this is still all pretty much educated conjectures. What is so interesting about this research is that no matter what happens, no true answers can really be made like completely definitely. This is an Iron Age civilization that had no written or tangible records, 
no language that sort of carry on to the, I guess, now Danish language, you know, we have nothing about this fog body phenomenon, phenomenon except for what we've been able to decipher ourselves. But we can still make our guest guesses. Yeah, best guesses. <laughs> Jesus. That's Our funny. I like best that. guesses around the conclusion of the Tallinn Man. Okay, so after all this information that we talked about, which obviously was a lot, and there are many people who have differing opinions. Some people, yeah. think, some people still think he was a criminal. Some people just think he was just murdered. But as a group, I think that we have successfully come to the conclusion that the, our final assessment on the mystery of the Tallinn man is that he was most likely a ritual sacrifice. Seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. And we've come to this conclusion based on the nature of the placement in the bog and the stomach contents found. We think he was placed in the bog because bogs were viewed as the link between life and death, which Natural. I love this connection that Parker has made. I mean, yeah, no, it's a great... Uh, you could definitely follow the line of reasoning yeah. for sure. Exactly. And then, like I said earlier, the rope that was used to hang him is another example of the ritual sacrifice because it's symbolic of the neck rings of goddesses, which is who they say that he was sacrificed to. So what is so special about the Tallinn man is that he differentiates greatly from other bog bodies. He is the world's most best preserved bog body. That's insane. And he's become so special because he is now named the best known bog body. He's so cool. We love you, Tallinn man. I mean, it's the, it's like, yeah, I guess he didn't get to live like a full life or anything. But at the very least, he is much more famous now than he ever would have been if he had just lived the rest of his life without getting, you know, exactly. sacrifice. He has like this amazing legacy of this combination of science and anthropology and history and archaeology. You know, it's just, he's so cool. And we hope that through this podcast, you're able to have just as much of appreciation for the Tallinn man as we do, because I know he holds a very special place in my heart. (laughs) And like Parker was um, just talking about, I think it's so interesting how this one mystery can bring together so many fields, uh, so many different people in different fields coming to study this phenomenon and like it's a real world like perfect mummy like what like that's actually insane yeah and i mean you know we don't really have many mummies because the victorians ate them all you heard it here folks victorians (laughs) ate mummies it'd be that way jerky (laughs) studying this mystery was just like there's so much information and we can go on to talk about it even more I mean, just talking about the science alone is just, like, so insane. It's literally blowing scientists' mind how this perfect storm of mummification can just naturally happen. Um, And the mystery of the Tallinn Man continues to be something so important to the time period. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's amazing. And he's our little mystery. And we love him. Love you, Tallinn Man. Kisses. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so awesome guys um well this has been a serene corpse the mystery of the nice. Tallinn man we hope that you really enjoyed our podcast and our funny little ramblings um you can find us on basically anywhere you can find any podcasts um special thanks yeah. to professor richardson she's our professor for our history's mysteries yeah. class 
Very yeah, fun, very fun out. class. Shout yeah. out to Rebecca. We love you. Thanks, Rebecca. Awesome. Well, I guess that kind of. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks for listening. I hope you learned something because I know I learned so much just oh, yeah. researching this project. And I hope you thought it was as interesting as we did because it's something I never heard of and super cool. Read up about it, learn about the taller man, make your own opinion. Yes, do your own research, kids. That is so important. Seriously. But just believe us, you know, because, you know, we've already done it. It was a ritual (laughs) sacrifice, though, so. Yeah, you know, (laughs) if you say otherwise, you know, you're just wrong. (laughs) And I think that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.